Hey, good evening, everyone. John Henry Soto here, along with George Batista. Welcome to Counterparts. This is where we spotlight conversations with creative minds, entertaining minds, inspiring minds. And tonight, you're going to see what I mean. We have Oba Babatunde is going to be on the show. We just talked for a little while, and George and I are already inspired. We're ready to rock and roll. So please stick around because come on back because we're going to have a great show. Welcome back. Uh, this is one of those shows, George, that I think we might have to do like a mini series or something. Yes, I agree. <laughs> he I agrees, agree. obviously. <laughs> but yeah, let's get started with the show. Uh, George, I'm going to turn it over to you so we can give some love to our sponsor and then we'll rock and roll. Absolutely. So as everyone knows, the Counterpart Show is brought to you by Wellness Resources, a family-owned and operated nutritional supplement company providing the highest quality clinically formulated supplements since 1985 find out why wellness resources supplements are the top choice of health conscious individuals around the world make sure you go to myvitaminresource.com and if you enter the promo code counterparts you will get free shipping on every order so make sure you check that out all right so Wow, I am so excited because there's so much that can be said about this guest. And I'm just going to just provide just a little snippet for for those of you who are, are you know listening and watching. But we have Mr. Oba Babatunde here. He is an actor, singer, dancer, director, writer, and producer. His breadth of work is known worldwide by audiences of all ages. And, and his face is one of the most recognizable in the entertainment industry. His career spans over four decades, and he has a unique breed into in today's industry as a triple threat. In addition to his award-winning performances on stage and screen, he is a nationally renowned speaker and a masterclass teacher for adult and young audiences alike. He has appeared in more than 17 stage productions, 33 films, and 60-plus television and made-for-TV movies. In 2016, Oba received the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Performer in a Drama Series, as well as a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Peachtree Village International Film Festival. Currently, he can be seen playing Daniel Harrelson Sr., the father of Shamar Moore's character on the 2017 hit series SWAT. And John, I mean, you and I are, get so excited for people, uh, artists like himself who just do so many things so well. So let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Oba Babatunde. Oh, oh there he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fellas, how are you? We are doing fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. This is like such a thrill for us. We, uh, George and I have been talking about it for a few days, um, how the questions we want to ask and the conversations and I have some some points that I made on some interviews that I saw you did that I'd love to ask you about as well. Um, so yeah, we're very excited. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to be with us. No, it's my pleasure. I am looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to it, really. That's awesome. Thank you. So George, I'm going to turn it over to you because you know how sometimes I ramble. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Why don't you start us off? Listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, him and I grew up together. I'm, we're, I'm so yeah, used right. to him rambling now. Forget it. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, so, I mean, so first of all, you got three, three artists here. I mean, obviously, we, us three, were put on this planet to entertain. We're put on this planet to experience music and joy and and happiness and to give back to the art world as well. I want to know about you when you were younger. Did you did you always have the drive to be an artist to entertain, or was there something specific that you saw that you said I want to do that? So how how did that start for you? You know what I I, I think that you would agree as artists as well. I think it chooses you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. I have a saying that says, you know, they cannot take from you what they did not give to you. Mm. And by that, I mean that your gifts, your talents and your abilities, you came here with those. Mm. Now, to the degree that you worked on them to develop them is how they've developed. Right. But I can't, you know, 
it was I didn't get hit by a, a bolt of lightning and said, I think I want to be on stage. I think I want to be man. I think I think when when I popped up my mother, I was like, yo, mom, listen, let's get it on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nice. You know, I I don't know what it was, but I've always enjoyed. Literally, I would I would uh, there was a guy when I was growing up, it was a, it was a great comedy comic named Red Skelton. Yeah. And Red Skelton used to do Panama, right? Mm -hmm. Where he would say nothing, but he would tell this whole story. Yeah. And I used to do the same thing for my friends. I would put on, because we had a record player, for those that don't know, it's a piece of vinyl that goes on this thing <laughs> and spins around and has a needle on it and it it's plays. Coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so, but literally, I would I would do that where I would put this this the, the record on. And I would play, and I would do a pantomime, and my friends would come there, sit there, and watch. That continued when I went to, to in, in college, man. I would have a thing that every single day I would do Oba's Corner, mm. and I I didn't know what I was going to say, what I was going to make up, but I would tell these stories that I was making up as I went along, and every single story, no matter what it was about, would always end the same way. Was and then and then I, I was driving my car so fast and I came to a cliff and all of a sudden I couldn't hit the brakes fast enough and I rolled off the cliff and died. <laughs> and I would just look at him. This was the end of every story. It didn't matter what I was talking about. And every time there we go. Oh man, you sat here for forty-five minutes and. That but they would come back. It didn't matter. It was whatever I came to my mind. So this concept of entertaining mm -hmm. right is i know it was it, it's born yeah. in me you know what yeah. i mean and yeah. i have been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to turn that and be able to serve people in a way that for that moment that they are there experiencing that that they're getting an opportunity to be removed from something that might be troubling mm. right yeah and right. in that way it's a servitude. Yeah. And, you know, I love it. I enjoy it. You know, I mentioned before we came on the air that, that I started out as a, as, as a wannabe trumpet player, right? And um, I never forget, but and it, it came from the fact that um, there was a, 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 it was a thing called James Brown Enterprises. Growing up in Queens, James Brown would fund little bands and stuff you know what I mean? And we played all of James' music, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was doing all them steps. Yeah. I break out. <laughs> bip, 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 bip. You know what I mean? I had all the moves and all of that stuff. And then the church that I was going to had a guy there that was really a jazz musician as well as he is, is, is a member of the church. So he started taking songs that were like songs that were played in the church and he would write jazz arrangements to them. Oh, wow. Right? Oh, so it was so hip that all of a sudden we were hearing the music. Like I, I remember one of the tunes was bringing in the sheaves, right? Mm -hmm. It's usually played. Ba -da 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 -da. Man, this, this gentleman wrote arrangement was it was swing man i got into that opened my ears up even to jazz yeah so then i started my next door neighbor his dad played jazz every saturday morning i'd hear it coming through the walls man so I would be over there with my trumpet and I was trying to, you know, and I liked high notes. And one day he said to me, he said, hey, boy, I hear you over there practicing. He said, uh, so you playing the trumpet? I said, well, it was actually a cornet. And he, I said, yes, sir. And he said, um, and you'll understand why I'm telling this story. It's a little long, but 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 you'll understand why I'm telling it. It's, 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 it's like, he said, uh, so tell me, uh, who do you like? Now, because I liked high notes, I said, uh, I like Maynard Ferguson. He looked at me, he said, boy, you don't know nothing about no jazz, right? <laughs> he said, this weekend, the jazz mobile is coming through. Now, what the jazz mobile was, for those that don't know, 
or if you cats are not hip to it, it was a flatbed truck. They would have fixed the drums to it and the piano. And these jazz musicians would come through really? and they would set up and they would play 15, 20 minute set, break down, and they go to another part of the neighborhood, play oh, wow. a 20, 15 minute set. So it was, it was, so now I go, I said, okay, yes, Mr. Eddie, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go check it out. I go and I'm standing there. It's McCoy Tyner on piano, oh, wow. Elvin Jones on drums, <laughs> Ron Carter on bass, right? <laughs> and and um, uh, uh, Milt Jackson on vibes, right? I'm like sitting, standing there with my fingers on the on the edge of this 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 flatbed truck. Change the way I heard music, saw everything. I got on my bike, man, and I followed them everywhere. Watch this. Many years later, I'm now acting. I'm on. There was a club on 52nd Street. It's called the Red Carpet, and it was from eight to eleven. It was a theater, little small theater. And then from like 11.30 to three, it was a jazz club. Hmm. So I'm downstairs, we just finished, I was doing a show there, Three Penny Opera, and we had just finished it. And I said, hey man, they got some jazz guys, man. I'm gonna go up and you know check them out. Now remember, 20, I, I, how many years passed? Cause now I'm a, I'm a young adult, my 20s. When I saw these guys, I was a kid like 14 years old, okay? Hmm. I go upstairs. And I'm sitting there, and who comes out? McCoy Tyner, Elvin Jones, and Ron Carter. Oh man! Line up, you're like a kid again. <laughs> like, boom! My head exploded because my childhood came back to me. Everything right. came back to me, man. And I'm sitting there, and I want to just go up and give them all a big hug. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, I love you guys. You changed my life. So that goes back to your earlier question. Wow. A long way to get to it about how it was it was in me yeah but somebody can always inspire you that's right, right. you Absolutely. know right. you know somebody right. can always inspire you. yeah and you know one of the things that you get inspired as a child as you know because like you said you know you're born with this and then you work on that right people are born talented but the skill they have to develop that talent into a skill and to and get better right. But one thing about it, when you get a little older, I remember thinking that it's a really a responsibility to be an artist, you know? And, yes, and I don't think a lot of younger people, have, for some reason, George and I kind of had, when we were younger, we kind of knew that this right. was like some kind of a calling or something. It was like a, and it was a responsibility to not only for us to, you know, entertain and, and have fun, but also to give something, and yes. to, and, you know, and that responsibility in today's music, sometimes George and I talk about it, where it does, it seems like it's like, look at me, check me out, what's up with me, check me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we're in this, of course, we're in this social media world where people are celebrities in their own little phones, you know, everyone's there. <laughs> you know, every, everyone's a celebrity, really, when you think about it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. When in history would you could you actually pick up something and talk to a hundred people? You know, at one time, right? You know, and put out something that about, a people will see about what you ate for lunch, right? Exactly. <laughs> about what you, yeah, exactly. what your latte looks like. <laughs> so, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, when when was it for you that you that you had that that understanding that well, this is a responsibility that I need to really, you know, and you might have been born with that that idea. Well, you know? no, you know what? It's a good question. It deserves a great answer. So the deal is that, you know, um. I don't know whether it was arrogance or confidence. And I guess you'd have to ask the person that was thinking about me and what they thought of me, but I always believed in myself. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea. I said, the images that I will project, be it on the small screen, the large screen, or the stage, have the ability to go around the world and suggest to someone who you guys or other people might be as human beings mm -hmm. through the characters that I present. Mm -hmm. Without knowing you, why would I misrepresent you? Hmm. In my career, I've only played and will only continue to play fully realized human beings. Okay? So 
to your point and your question that yes, I identified I had a responsibility. That was a good one. Sammy Davis Jr., who was my entertainment mentor, yeah. said to me, Oba, there's one place we never lie, man. It's on the boards, talking about the stage, no matter where it is. He says, when you step onto that stage, it's sacred ground. Hmm. Jeffrey Holder said to me when we and to, to the company when we were doing um, Timbuktu on Broadway, he says, darling, we always do our show for the little man or woman who sits way up in the cheapest seat of the house because that is the person that on that performance, you have the ability to change their lives. Wow. Look at that. Never forgot that. So to your question, that's what I do. I, I, I identify it as a responsibility to have the ability yeah. as in entertainment to be able to change someone's life yeah. for even if it's for a moment. What a great responsibility. I tell my friends also that other celebrities that get upset when people recognize them. I said, dude, stop. What's wrong with you? Yeah. I'm mean, I don't feel like being bothered. I said, all this person wants to do is tell you that they appreciate what you've right. given to them. Right. What right. is right. your problem? Mm. I mentioned this to you guys earlier, and I'm going to say it in this part right here. I said, your problem is you're mistaking your presence for the event. Mm. That's what your problem is. We should never mistake our presence for the event. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so interesting. And you talk about changing people's life. Because I remember John and I growing up and music, music changed my life. Music did something to me. And I heard certain bands that just completely just took me to another world. And and I, you know, my 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 and I've always kind of loved music as you know, even as like a six or seven year old, but really when I got into my teenage years, that's when I just fell in love with it and obviously became a musician because I just love the communication part and and communicating with the audience. But it's interesting you talk about changing people's lives. And it was this funny thing that happened the other day. My daughter, who also now has this appreciation with for music, she loves music and she really's gotten into it. She sings, she does very well with it, and she had to draw this. Uh, cover for this uh, book that she had in school and she says dad I want to show you the cover and I said that I drew I, that I painted I said okay so I, and she's 15 right so I yeah. look at the cover and it was very interesting it's a snowman with headphones on and behind and it's in the in the snow behind yeah. the snowman there's fire and there's all these things happening and I and I looked at her and I said what does this represent and she says dad it represents me with music because mm. as long as I have the music and I can Woo! hear it, everything else just goes away. Yes. Shocked. Shocked. Wow. Yes. You know, yes. so wow. it's just the power of music and it just blew me yeah. away. I just thought that was very interesting. Allow me to wow. say something about that. You use the word power. And I want to return in this moment the power to you. Because you instilled that power into your child yeah. that afforded her to be in that state. My son, my youngest son, his name is Malachi, M-A-L-A-C-H-I. His handle on Instagram, Malachi is life, is a wow. phenomenal artist, wow. brilliant. His first professional job was at 14 years old. He, was, he did a world tour with A.R. Rahman. A.R. Rahman is the composer that won the Academy Award for Slumdog Millionaire. Right, right, and he right. has arranged and written for, for all of them. He my son's not Indian, but he chose my son because he found that Malachi had the ability to tell his story. You know, in, in the innocence of a youth, he was the right. only youth in the show. He did a world tour, right? But the thing is that like your daughter, man, Malachi has been playing his music Malachi writes song after song after song after song. Like right now, you know, you know the game Madden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, there's a game Madden, and I don't know that much about it, but it's a game that, that people play all over the world. Right. You know, the, pro, the, 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 the professional football players, right. they were all played and they did it. The Madden 22, which was Coach Madden, this is the first year they actually had Coach Madden on the cover of, of the game. And right. Malachi, my son, is got the only artist that's got two songs actually in the game. Oh, right? wow. Yeah, yeah. And they chose him to do the voiceover to promote the game, which very seldom if never happens. So, but the but but I say that to say it's the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You yeah. gave your daughter the power yeah. to know that music is a life source, man. Yeah. yeah. So so I wanted to just say to you for your daughter, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because, you know, you're going, boom, wow. But she said, look, as long as I got the music, you know, I, 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 can, I can do anything. anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's so, also taking responsibility on showing them the right, yeah, I, I guess I'm a little bit biased, but showing them the music that I consider to be real music. You know, like you know you have a choice in, in life yeah. you know and unfortunately with uh, the social media and the platforms and everything there's a lot of stuff that that get that kids get exposed to but when you take the responsibility to show them listen to this guy you you mentioned sammy davis jr earlier and george and i are like sammy Huge davis fans, jr. Yes. like we love this guy yeah. you know we've yes. always loved him um and that elegance that he had that you have you know that's really, to me, the artist that I would love to see being developed continuously. And that's what George is working on with his kid. I have two kids of my own. That's what I work with them. I, I play for the music. I listen, I play jet. I know you may not like, like the other day I had in the car, I had a Billie Holiday. I'm like, yeah. I'm like just listen to it. I understand. She, and my, my daughter's like, but this is like for sleeping. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, but just listen to it because this is like something that's really awesome, you know? And um, but that to me is really a, a responsibility that we have to do that. I well, mean, I well, that. well, the three of us have this in common with our children. See, Malachi plays piano, bass, drums, and guitar. Okay, wow. so he studied all of those things. He was playing piano. Got him piano when he was two and a half. Okay, <laughs> when he was seven, he said, you know, the rudiments was driving him nuts, and the teacher was cracking <laughs> on his knuckles. And he said, he came home one day and he said. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to play piano no more. I said, why not? I don't like the way that teacher's yelling at me. So well, what do you want to do? He said, I want to play drums. So I went out and I bought a practice, I bought a practice pad and a pair mm -hmm. of drumsticks. Mm -hmm. And I played a paradiddle, right? I said, okay. I said, when you can play that, right, come and talk to me. Okay. Uh, today's his birthday, actually, today. He just oh, turned cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so the deal is about... Um, a month later, he came back and he played the paradiddle for me. I bought him his first drum set. I put him with a great drum teacher, a guy named Alphonse Muzan, who was oh, an amazing, amazing musician, drummer. right? Yes, okay. Yes. I'm in New York doing Chicago on Broadway. I get a call from Alphonse. He goes, Oba, your son has been with me for two months. This cat is playing what I teach my two-year students. This wow. dude has got the biggest ears I've heard on a kid in his, at his age now. So then he did that. I had a guitar around the house. He picked up the guitar and started playing with it. So I put him with a guitar cat, right? Wow. Now he's proficient. He picked the bass up by himself because he just wanted to play the bass. But 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 again, see, he grew up. So if you get a chance, go check out. It, it, it's like I say, Malachi's Life or M-A-L-A-C-H-I-I-I. -I -I. We had to put three I's because his name is spelled with one I, but somebody else had that name. So... M-A-L-A-C-H-I-I-I. Uh, okay. And he's on all the platforms, and you'll hear the music has, first of all, a consciousness to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yes, yes. Okay? Call it what you want. I can say it because of my kid. It's also clean. Right. Okay? Right. right. He yeah. sings, and the boy can sing his brains out. Okay. Wow. He sings. He writes. He, 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 you know, I mean, he's he's done scoring for 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 short films. You know, but the deal is, is that 
He creates every single, he's, I bet you dollars to donuts. Before his girlfriend takes him for his birthday for their dinner, he's creating. He writes all the time. It just, he never stops. Yeah. You know, and the deal is, is that we as parents, that takes us into another subject matter, but we as parents instilled a certain essence of something. Right. You introduced right. your daughter, said, listen, check out Billie Holiday. That was the song too. <laughs> was it? Was it? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Right. But but see that then then you'll get a chance to tell Billy's story right. because these right. artists of that period mm. also were living through some times, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So to, to your earlier point when you were saying, seems like the artist today, money, bro, yeah. money. When yeah. we were coming up, wasn't nobody paying us to play our music. You went to that barbecue, that backyard thing, and you couldn't wait to plug in and set up and, and, and do your thing. It was that. So now, like I have young guys that are younger guys that will come knock on my door in a trailer when I'm on set sometime and say, hey, you mind if I come in? No, man, come on, sit down. Oh man, so how you doing? Man, I've been here since seven o'clock this morning, man, and it's two o'clock, man. They ain't used me yet. And I said, then go home. Mm. He said, huh? I said, go home. This is voluntary, man. They pay you to wait, dude. Right. I said, well, now right. let me ask you this. When we get in there, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Do you know your lines? Are you set to do this thing? Because when the red light goes on, we go to work. Are you ready? You're busy complaining because you have such a short attention span mm. and you're so excited about being a paid attention to you're in it for the wrong reason. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. See, so, so that's, that's it. You know, we, uh, yeah. we live yeah. by example and hopefully people pick up and, and learn, you know, um, yeah. Mr. D as I affectionately call him and I'll share a story with you guys about him since you're fans. Yeah. Um, he was who I grew up watching on television. Mm -hmm. And I patterned my style of entertaining based on him, the acting, the singing, and the dancing, mm -hmm. and, in, in, and the musical instruments. I did a show called Sammy in which I portrayed him. And I mm -hmm. did everything that he does or did. Wow. Um, I met him in 1978. I was doing a world tour with a lady, a wonderful, talented human being named Liza Minnelli. And we were at Harrods in Lake Tahoe. And we were gonna be doing a world tour, which we were either going to, and Sammy was gonna be doing his. So we would be following or preceding one another into the different venues. And he came to the show at Harrods in Lake Tahoe. And she said, oh, but Sammy's here, he's gonna see the show. And I said, well, can, I'd rather meet him after he's seen me work. She said, well, he's not gonna stay for the show. He opens tomorrow. and." He says is, he's not feeling too well, so come on and he wants to meet you. So I go in and he's getting something out of the cooler. And I, I said, how do you do, Mr. Davis? And he said, uh, Sam, uh, call me Sam. And I, I said, <laughs> wow. I said, Mr. Mr. D, I can never call you that. He says, look, man, Liza tells me that you're marvelous. And I unfortunately won't get an opportunity to see you tonight because, well, my gums are bothering me. And as you know, our audience is our first priority and I've got to get ready for tomorrow night, but have a great show. And I said, he says, I'll see you while we're on tour. I said, okay, thank you, Mr. D. Wow. So he stays. I don't know. Mm. I come off during the, in the middle of the show. They said, um, Sammy, Liza said to tell you Sammy stayed. So afterwards, there's a knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, oh, hey man, it's Sam. I open the door. There he stands. He looks at me and he says, you, my man, are a bitch on wheels. <laughs> a bitch on wheels. <laughs> he then paid me a lot of nice compliments, invited him in. Wow. And I said to him, Mr. D, I want to thank you, sir, for coming in through the kitchen so I could come in through the front door. Wow. His... <sighs> His eyes welled up, tear ran down his face. He grabbed me and held me, man. 
And uh, he said, thank you for that. I said, I'm sure you hear it a lot. He said, I could never hear it enough. So when you wow. go back and you talk about those early performers and where they worked and how they had to work, it's not like that now. Right. You can be famous from the phone. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we have... Uh, we have something to share with people, you know, yeah. um, from that experience. And um, sorry to, to take us off the subject, but I no, no, this was this was, uh, this was right on the subject for me. Yeah, yes, um, yeah, that was amazing. What a what a story, and what a you know what a what a legacy he left, and you took over, you know, and you kind of like, and you're taking it to the next generation. It's it's really what George and I talk about. Like George and I were nerds growing up. So we were listening to things that we were in the Bronx, you know, in the South Bronx and not many people in the South Bronx were listening to jazz, but you know, George and I were listening. We, we were going into uh, the city and watching like the Buddy Rich band with uh, Dave Weckl on drums and, you know, Dennis Chambers on drums. And we would go see these, uh, these, you know, groups that really a lot of people were not really going to watch. And but we always thought of the stories because I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. And so the stories to me just make it, you know, you can yeah. watch the band and you can love the band. But then when you hear how that band got together and how this Ooh. worked and how that that just like you start literally I start tearing. I start getting, you know, I'm, I'm a sap, you know, and, and you really start appreciating your own journey and yes. how your own journey is going to have an impact you know, and it's going to have, leave, you know, you're going to leave something behind. I always talk about, um, what's the Eagles uh, guitar player, George, that I always, that I, um, Oh, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh had said in, in one of the interviews, he says, you know, when you're in it, you know, when you're in this grind, you know, it's like, it looks like everything is crazy. And he was, uh, he was out there, but he was doing, you know, crazy things and everything is crazy. But then when you get through it, he goes, you look back and your life was this finely crafted novel. Woo! experiences that you had no idea you were actually writing because you're yes. living, you know yes. and that always stuck with me and i always thought you know we're we're this right here is something that i'm going to remember forever this conversation yes. we're having right here and it's so important for us to as artists to have these conversations and then share them with our with our kids and other kids and in speaking engagements um yeah it's wow you know, and it, and it also, you know, and one of the things, but kind of piggybacking on that, I mean, the last couple of guests we had, just to kind of give you an idea, we had a gentleman who, who was a firefighter and lost half of his friends and his colleagues in 9-11. And he took that and he built a foundation for firefighters and for first responders. And he became yes. a, a stand-up comedian out of that. Because he said yeah. firefighters are the fun of uh, some of the funniest guys to be around, and I wanted to give them a voice. You know, we yeah. had a we had a guy, a gentleman, also uh, recently, who who um, battled head and neck cancer stage oh, yeah. four, and he got past that, and he and he now he's singing, he and he has an album. album out, a beautiful album that came out, and he's out there, and he's just doing it. Yeah, yeah man. He's, yeah, I mean. These are powerful stories that, again, John, John and I talked about. These are the stories that that make us, you know, weep because they're yes. so powerful. The, the the power of the human spirit is just amazing yes. when you see this. Yes, absolutely incredible. I <sighs> wanted to, George, if you don't mind, I want to jump in and ask something because um, the philosophy of being an artist. Uh, I saw an interview where you were talking about. It was talking about auditioning, but you were also talking about going in as you and no one could go in as you. <laughs> and I remember hearing that and I was like, oh, man, because I'm an actor and I've, you know, you I go to auditions and I'm, I'm all psyched and I walk in and I'm a short Puerto Rican and I look in and there's wall to wall short Puerto Ricans in there. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> like, you're right. <laughs> but when I heard you say that, it's it was so well, you know so what? That, that, I'm glad you asked that. Yes. I tell people, I say, listen, because I, I, I from time to time I'll teach a master class, as you mentioned. And mm -hmm. I tell people, I say, they said, man, you work all the time. 
how do you do it? I said, well, I can increase your booking rate if you're interested. Yes, man, man tell me, how do you do it? <laughs> okay. I said, first thing I want you to do is I want you to remove the word audition from your lexicon. And I want mm. you to replace it with the word opportunity. Right. Right. And watch what happens when you say, today I have an audition. You've already given the power over to somebody else. You say, today I have an opportunity. That's right. I have an opportunity. You hold on to that power. Yeah. If you could go in, there could be a 10, 12 other guys in there for the same character. But nobody is you. Right. Right. Nobody can be a better you than you. So if you are going in with this attitude, where do y'all see what I got for you today? I know a lot of other guys are coming in this room, but y'all ain't seen what I'm going to put on this thing. And then remember this. Yeah. I call it my piggy bank theory for life. If you had a piggy bank and you put nickels, dimes, quarters, silver dollars in it, when it reaches its capacity, the smallest denomination, a penny in American currency, can break it open. You don't need yeah. a dollar to break it open. Right. A penny can break it open. And yeah. what do you have? You have the residual of your investment. Right. Your life is the exact same way, man. Nothing you do is wasted. Everything you do will bring a return. Everything. Right. Longer annuities bring greater returns. Shorter annuities bring lesser. So sometimes you got a little tiny bank, it might pop open sooner. The best thing my advice would be, get yourself, take that, get yourself another bank, a little bigger, reinvest it and keep doing it because then it keeps breaking open. And when it breaks open, you have the residual of your investment. So you're always winning. You're yeah. always winning because yeah. I can tell you a story that will show you that this is factual with my life and it can be the same for yours and anybody that's listening. When I told you I was doing that tour with Liza in 78 and we were going around the world, we were in Dallas, Texas. I'll never forget the fourth show I'm coming in and there's a girl there. She had been at the backstage door, every performance. She was a big fan of Liza's. She said, Hi, Oba. and I said, you here again tonight? She goes, yes, and it's sold out. I can't get a ticket. And I jokingly said, uh, listen, you see it enough. You could be in the show. I went inside, and gentlemen, what I'll call nothing other than a random act of kindness. I went back out, and I said to the security, hey, she's with me. Come here. Let her in. I brought her in. I put her in a chair in the wings. I said, stay out of everybody's way. Enjoy yourself. Never saw her again after that 20 years later Whoa. i'm trying to get in this movie called life starring eddie murphy and martin lawrence mm -hmm. my agents are trying oh but they won't see you they say they know you you're great but nothing in it for you i said hey look it's a black dude man about some black men on a work camp just let me in the room i can get a shot right. no 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 but he wouldn't do it so we let it go. Two weeks later, we get a call. Uh, hey, oh, they want to see you. I said, oh, cool. I go in. Casting director won't even look at me. She goes, we're going to put you on tape. Uh, I guess she didn't want me there. The director you know, is on the phone. He goes, hey, man, good to see you. And he's talking on the phone. So I go on tape. We get the call. You booked. Great. Perfect. First day on the set. It's the third lead in the movie. Yeah. First First um, day on set, I'm on my way to the set, and a woman walks up. She goes, hi, how do you do? I'm Tina Fortenberry. I said, oh, nice to meet you. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm the associate to the, uh, the, the UPM, uh, Jim, Brook Jim Brookbaker, on this movie. And um, I've met you before. And I said, really? She said, yeah, you did the movie Philadelphia, right? I said, yeah. She says, I was a PA on that movie. It was one of my first movies. I said, yo, that's good. She said, but I met you another time. And you did something very nice for me. Whoa. She said, <laughs> my man's mouth is open. She said, um, I was a huge Liza Minnelli fan and you put me in a chair. I said, wait a minute, you was that little girl that I put in the chair? She said, yes. 
She said, and when I saw your name on the list, I didn't understand why they wouldn't bring you in. So every day I would go in and say, he's really good. You should let him come in. You should. She says, I think they brought you in so that would stop coming in there. She said, but then, <laughs> she said, but then you went on tape and Brian Grazier, the head of, of, of Imagine Pictures, saw you and said, that's the guy I want. So you got it on your own merit, but I would like to think that I was able to be instrumental in helping say thank you to you all this time later. Tina wow. Fortenberry and I are still friends to this day. Wow. And so I'm telling you right now, know for a fact, nothing you do is a waste. Nothing. So what you invest is what the residual will be. Will be. So be careful what you, re, what you invest. I tell my son all the time, words are thoughts and thoughts are things. Yes. So be mindful what you say, because what you say is true for you, not what somebody else says. That's right. 100%. Wow. That's, that's amazing. You know, I love also this business can, you know, to keep your integrity in this business is sometimes difficult. And when you go into like seven auditions in a week and you don't, and you keep saying audition, audition, I got another audition. I know that you're, you know, you just, your morale goes down and you just really feel, but when you're saying opportunity, yeah, I've had seven yes. opportunities today. What a great week I had. Right. <laughs> yes. that's it. I was like, man, I was like, that's like so powerful. And, and it's, and it's true. And because yeah. the deal is I always tell people, I say, I'm not interested in the pearl as much as I'm interested in the string of pearls. They said, what do you mean, Ova? I said, the gig is the pearl. The string of pearls is the career. Uh, right. right. You see? Yes. See, the string of pearls is the career. Right. All right? So that's why you know, you know, that if you prepare for what you got to go in and do, that's on you. Just like a musician. You got to practice. Yeah. You talked about it. You used the word earlier. Responsibility and discipline. Uh, yes. Right? Yes. Responsibility yes. and discipline. You got to practice. So, yeah. the more, and whatever you practice, you get better at, whether it's good or bad. Right. Okay? All right. So, the, so, so, so the issue is I've identified there's only two definitives in life at the very basis. Yes and or no. And a choice at deciding on one of those definitives, both move your life forward. So if you say, yes, I'm going to do it, that moves your life forward. You say, no, thank you, I'm not going to do that. That also moves your life forward because it frees you up to go and do what you, what you want to do. Yes. So if you make a choice, this is a lesson I had to learn. If you make a choice and you identify it's not the best choice, guess what, guys? Make a different choice. That's right. Mm -hmm. And never allow anybody to steal that from you because it's your life. So you make the choices. Don't stay too long in that purgatorial state of, mm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And yeah. make the choice. No, uh, uh, and you can say yes. You can say yes with a smile. And you can say no with one too. No, thank you very right. much. Right. <laughs> never you know, live in a doubt. That's your power. That's yeah. your power. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Never, never live in a doubt because it just doesn't, it doesn't move you forward. Like what you said. No. It no. holds you up right there. Oh, yeah. You no, know. man. And by yeah. the way, I, I lived in the Bronx for a little while. I lived on Reyes Boulevard. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Unbelievable. It wasn't so nice. common too, man. <laughs> was, yeah. That truck was scary, brother. <laughs> I know. We, we, I was on Hunts Point and uh, <laughs> yeah. Victor Avenue. So. <laughs> yeah. And I'll never forget my brother. He, he ended up living uh, uh, years later. He lived in executive towers on, 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 um, um, what's that? Uh, that that big street, Grand Concourse. Grand, Con Grand, Grand Concourse, Grand yeah. Concourse, right? yeah, yeah. In, in, in a big building, man. I was like, yeah. "Dag, man, you went from we went living, living in the Bronx on Reyes Boulevard to yeah. you living here. You're doing all right." Yeah, <laughs> it's like moving on up, right? <laughs> yeah. I want to give uh, some shout out to some uh, comments that we have here. We have um, uh, Mark says, uh, "Thank you for sharing your experiences." Thank you, Mark, for your comment. Uh, 
Me too, Story Tent. Sorry, uh, Facebook sometimes doesn't show me your name, so I apologize if we don't see your name, but thank you. Um, Hoba, and I love the cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Had a... <laughs> I don't know if that's for me or if that's uh, this really photo here. Hey! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Nice. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, I live in uh, Nashville, Tennessee right now, so <laughs> so I'm loving that. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Thanks, so. Thank you, everybody, for your comments. We appreciate it. We're going to try to get to, to some. If anybody has any questions, uh, now is the time to throw them into the chat there. We appreciate it, all of you uh, hanging out with us. So I want to talk a little bit about, if um, if it's okay, about technique. I know that sounds – I don't want everybody to go to sleep. But <laughs> but for me, it's really a, 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 an important thing. You know, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, and, you know, you, you'll have a, someone with a technique – you know, the British technique and someone will come in with Meisner or something else and they end up doing magic, you know, but it's, they're so different techniques. It's just like, right. wow, how do they make it work? You know, it's, it's really impressive. Um, so when you're, when you're actually working, you know, and you get a script, I heard Anthony Hopkins reads it 50 times first, then he reads it another 50 times and then he starts <laughs> studying it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, everyone has their technique. So, what, what, what's, how do you work? Like when you get your well, your, well, here's this is another great question. And I had a great time working with Anthony Hopkins on Silence of the Lambs. He's, oh, wow. he's an amazing human being, <laughs> yeah. right? But, but the deal is this: is that I understand why he does that. It's the same thing about if you have an opportunity and you're learning the line. I always tell people first, read it for the sense of it. Not how you're going to do it, not the way you're going to emphasize this, emphasize, not trying to even memorize it. Read it for the sense of it. You already have a brain. You already speak the language. Right. If it's written well, it'll come to you naturally if you, pardon me, if you already know what it is that you're saying. And then listen for the response. A lot of people, I call it, make the mistake of deciding how they're going to do it in, 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 in their own private situation. And then they get on the set and the person they're working with doesn't give them the response in the way they heard it coming right. back to them. And now they're lost. Right. But in, in this, we didn't have to rehearse to have this conversation. I'm talking. You're listening. You're asking me a question, I'm listening. So I tell people when I'm teaching the master class, one of the things I say, I say, well, I want everybody to tell me what they think great acting is. And they'll tell me all kinds of things and getting people to believe in you and making sure that that's it. And I say, you're all correct. Now I'm going to boil it down to very simple terms. It amounts to looking the person you're talking to in the eye and telling them the absolute truth with the line that you have. Mm. Don't play yeah. the story, play the moment because mm. that's all there is. If it's written well, the story will tell whether or not you're telling the truth or not. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah. So if I, if I, if I'm doing a scene with, with, with you guys and I'm a dude on the street, right. And, and, and I come up to you and I say, hey, listen, um, guys, I'm sorry to bother you. I really am. And this is embarrassing for me, but I've got a family. And anything, anything at all that you could, that you could spare that would help us. Anything you have, just can you, right? And then two scenes later, you see me on the corner going, yo, man, give me, give me that rock, dude. Come on, homie. <laughs> see, but if I played the first scene like, hey, yo, listen, man, I'm not a junkie. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to get a couple of dollars, man. You know, I, I got a family, you know, uh, oh, yeah. I can say the same lines, but I'm, you, you're not likely to give me anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So right. when you look at that person in the eye, if you say, I love you, man, mean it. You say, I hate you. 
mean it. So whatever the lines are, yeah, yeah. look the person in the, that you're doing the scene with in the eye and tell them the truth with the lines that you have. Yeah. Then you're playing or portraying a real, remember I told you earlier, I only play fully realized human beings. That's right. Right. Then you're yep. playing a fully realized human being. Right. The that's story right. will tell whether you were telling the truth or not. So that's that's, right. that, that's that's so fascinating because the the way you the, about you know someone that would take it and read it or how they're gonna they, how they're gonna do it because as a director like I know when I'm on set and I'll have two or three actors coming in for a rehearsal sometimes there's one that's way because they're 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 delivering their lines knowing the ending and the character doesn't know what the ending is the, the right. character doesn't know what's happening in ten minutes. No. So the director, you have to let them know, okay, remember when you came in here, you don't know that he's going to do that or she's going to say that. You have no idea. So you're coming in from that moment over there, that moment. Where, where were you in that moment mm -hmm. that you're here? You know, and, and, and make sure you, I mean, it really is direction to make sure that the scenes flow so you don't have weird things that just I also, are off balance. I also share, I also share, you're absolutely correct. I also share to that point, I share with people that are coming in. I said, there's a, there's a basic, and this is to your point, is a basic rule of acting, which is that you are, every, every entrance is an exit from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Every exit is an entrance into somewhere else. Right. Right. You see? So, so, that also helps people when they're going in for their opportunities because most people come in the room, hi, uh, good to see you guys. Uh, hi, uh, Oba, do you have any questions? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, actually, I do. And this is another thing that people make, a, 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 in my judgment, my opinion, they make a mistake, is the director will say, so do you have any questions? And they'll go, yeah. Now, in this scene, is it, and they're doing it. This is what mm. happens to novice actors. They're doing it because they want to make the director think, oh, this person really took the time to look into this thing. And then they say, so now in this scene, th th this guy, he really is, he's upset and he, he's angry, right? And then the director goes, no, not really. He's not really that upset. <laughs> now, everything that you planned on doing in the room the window. is gone. <laughs> Don't ask that question. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Just come in. And and my and they said, well, what do you say, Oba? I said, you say, hey, no, you got any questions? No, I'm good. But if you have an adjustment, I'd be happy to take it. Exactly. Boom. You know what I mean? So so the other thing is how to get in the room and out of the room comfortably, right? right. Remember, <laughs> yeah. first impressions are lasting, and last impressions are lasting. That's okay. Right. So if you come in there already having given, hi, uh, um, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm ready to do this. You know, okay, all right, and action. And you're going to think, and you go, okay, cut. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you too, guys. See you. Well, you came in messed up, and you left messed up. That's the right. lasting impression. Right. Every entrance, I'm going to say it again, is an exit from somewhere else. Yeah. So I'm coming from out there in here to talk to you. Right. And I'm talking to you. And you're going to ask me if I have a question. I said, no, sir. I'm really ready to do this, you know, and then boom. Now your exit, you got somewhere to go. Thank you so much, guys. Have a fabulous day. And then boom, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Um, did you want to see something else? I can do it a different way. <laughs> right. <laughs> or or uh, when is it going to come out? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, another thing that I do. When I teach the master classes, I have I have everybody. I don't just have actors. I have directors. I have um, uh, scenic designers. I have DPs. I have all kinds of people take the class. Wow. And I say, okay, where are my actors? They raise their hand. I say, okay, where are my directors? Okay, I said, okay. So for the first hour, all my directors, you're actors today, and oh, wow. all my actors, you're directors. Then I give a scene. I say, okay, breaking them up into groups. I say, you got a scene. You got a scene. Okay, now you all go away and then we're gonna put it up. You each got five minutes and then we'll come back and we'll put it up, right? And then they'll put the scene up. And before I do any critiques, I'll ask the director, who's now the actor, um, did you get what you needed from your director? 
not really, not at all. You know, I mean, I could have used, now he speaks as a director, he or she speaks as a director. I could have used some sense of setting up what was the, you know, and then I say to the actor who's the director, did you get what you needed from your actor? No, he didn't understand nothing. He couldn't <laughs> looking around the room and, you know, so uh, now, but by that, what has happened is that I say, now you both understand the importance of each other's jobs and how you can be helpful Correct. to one another. Yeah. As the actor, you got to come prepared. As a director, you have to be able to uh, read it. Because as a director, it's the hardest job in the world in the film industry because you got to hold everybody's hand. Hmm. You got to hold everybody's right. hand. Right. You know right. what I mean? Because the DP, you're talking to him, and then you know uh, the, 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 the wardrobe is there, and then, and then the person that's, that's your first, and, and then the second, everybody has got an issue, you know. And then and in between, go, okay, yeah, let's 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 do this. One of the things that I'll share with you that I have adopted is when I'm directing is a thing that I learned from jo the great Jonathan Demi. Mm -hmm. And every day, Jonathan would show up on the set. Now, for those viewers who may not know who he was, he directed the original Silence of the Lambs. He mm -hmm. directed um, Philadelphia. He directed. Um, Manchurian Candidate. I mean, just look him up, Jonathan Demi. And mm -hmm. I've had an opportunity to work with him on most of his, on, on most of those films that I've named. But Jonathan would show up every day like this. Hey, want to make a movie today? <laughs> <laughs> See? So we're already starting out at a place of let's have some fun. Right. Yeah. Right. And Jonathan hired the uh, two types of, 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 of cast members, people that he considered great actors or people who had celebrity in their own right, but were not actors. Uh, so there was a presence that came. If you watch the Manchurian Candidate, um, Merle Streep, the great Merle Streep comes in and the scene is set up. She comes in and we're playing senators and she comes in with her entourage and um, she's there to get us to, you know, give her son the okay. Uh, and we're not, we're not going for it. And so the first line is she walks in and one of the senators says, Elliot's not going to work. And her line is, what do, what do you mean it's not going to work? Right. But Jonathan took this guy who's a very famous writer and he sat him in a chair and he said, uh, just, just sit there. Right. And then she, he told, um, uh, Merrill, she says, now listen, that guy, you know, she goes, oh, I know he is an amazing writer. She says, well, when you walk in, just go and sit down and start a conversation with him, right? So she walks in, right? And she sits down and she goes, listen, I saw you and I just, you know, I had nothing to do with the movie at all, nothing to do with And he's like talking to Meryl Streep and he goes, you know my, my work? Yeah. And she goes, yeah, great work. I love it. And so then the, the actor goes, Elliot's not going to work. And she doesn't even pay us any attention. She just keeps talking. Yeah. And you know what I love? The story that you wrote about. And now that gives us a reaction to go, she's ignoring us. Right? So then the line comes back different. Ellie, it's not going to work. She then goes to the guy. Oh, excuse me one moment. Of course it's going to. What are you doing? So now we've already started the scene in a way that has a life. It's right. organically building. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Wow. I love that. See, I love, I love stories like this about set life and, and different techniques and directors are so, you know, they, they have such different methods, but you know, within that madness is going on. Sometimes there's somebody will come in and be like, where should I put this cup? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're That's like, right. what? I, I don't know. I mean, talk to, I don't know. Put it on the table. <laughs> What would you know? And and yet you have all this stuff going on. But I, I love it, and it's wonderful. Um, Oba, what can we say? I mean, it's been it's an hour that we've been uh, here, and we've gotten really seriously like a master class. I mean, this is like something that not just in technique and in film, but also in just life and philosophy. Yes. yes. And we appreciate you so much for taking the time to be with us this My evening. Pleasure. What what a what a joy it is to have you here. One of the things that we always ask uh, our guests is the last two years we've had a rough, everyone has had a rough uh, time of it. And we usually ask our guests if they would have a few minutes of words for our audience 
that may be kind of going through things or just coming out of it and what the future looks like for them and uh, always that confusion and everything? Well, what I would say is firstly, and then I'll put a story to this. Your do is not necessarily your who. Your do is what affects change in your life, but your who is how you affect change in someone else's life. And they say if you've been able to affect change in just one person's life in your walk, your living has not been in vain. Hmm. Now, allow me to share a story with you about my best friend's mother. He was my next door neighbor. Her name is Alma Smith. Maybe not known to anybody but me and her family. One day I had come home from school and I guess I was having a difficult day at school and I guess my head was hanging down. And Mrs. Smith took my chin in her hands, held it up, looked in my eyes and said, it's going to be okay because you're special. And for whatever reason, whatever reason I heard her and I believed her. And I sit here today with you and your audience as a repository of that moment, defining moment in my life. And I tell you that story because each of us have the ability to be an Alma Smith in someone's life. You can look at that person and tell them, as I'm telling you and your audience right now, it's going to be okay because you're special. Believe it. Trust in it. You don't need anybody's permission to be great. You write your own epitaph. You have that power. Choose to own it. People say to me, if I go to the supermarket on a Friday or a Monday, they ask this relatively the same question. So, any plans for the weekend? If it's on a Friday and if it's on a Monday, so how was the weekend? And I say, I live every single day like the weekend. They say, oh man, that's a great way to live. I said, no, 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 it's basic math. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, if there's only seven days in a week and I'm only taking two for me, look at how much of my run I've given up when it's all over. If I had $7 and I asked you, do you want the five or the two? I think you're going to take the five. It's basic math. They say, yeah, man, but, but you know, I got to go to work. So then find a job that you love to do. Then you won't mind doing it. Find something that turns you on. Find what your passion is. And then trust and believe, trust and believe if you work hard and commit yourself to it, that give it the full measure of your devotion, you cannot lose. Because of the, the point that I made earlier, everything that you invest, nothing is wasted. It's all there. Keep investing. Never quit. Never give up. And watch what happens. I, my mother's advice was, there's two things you cannot do with a closed hand and a closed heart. You cannot give, nor can you receive. Open your hand and open your heart and watch what happens. And I'm telling you, just as sure as I'm sitting here, it will manifest. My life and many others is an example of that. You know, they'll say, you know, you know, um, Hector got seven cars. That dude don't need no seven cars. I said, no, no, Hector don't have seven cars because he need them. He has them because he wants them. Stop getting confused by need and want because generally when you talk about need, somebody else has created that for you. They've right. said this is your need. Right. Decide what you want. That's the biggest thing, and it doesn't have to be this big thing. Decide what you want for this moment. That will lead you to the next moment. That would be my humble and earnest advice. And I trust and believe it's a recipe that will not fail you. Amen. I believe that 100%. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, thank you so much for being on. This has been like a tremendous honor to have you here. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure, sir. I know you like jokes. 
And we yes. didn't get oh, it right. That's right. a joke. That's yes. right. You had a joke. Yes. Let's hear it. Okay, you ready for this joke real quick? Yeah. Go for so it. That we, uh, we, we, we're giving everybody the recipe to success in life, right? And it's all relative. But this joke is just something so that people can laugh. Mr. Smith is 87 years old. And Mr. Smith is at the doctor for his annual checkup. And the doctor says, Mr. Smith, I'm telling you, you're in great shape for a man 87 years old. But there's one box I got to check off. And it's, it's, I don't know why, but your insurance company says they need it. I need a semen specimen. So I'm going to give you a jar. And I want you to come back tomorrow and bring me a semen specimen. He said, okay. He goes home, comes back the next day. He hands the doctor the jar. It's exactly the way the doctor handed it to him. There's nothing in it. He said, Mr. Smith, did you understand the instructions? He said, yes. So what happened? He said, well, I, I went home, tried with my left hand, nothing. Tried with my right hand, nothing. I even got my wife to help me. She tried with her left hand, right hand, nothing. She even tried with her mouth, teeth in, teeth out, nothing. We even called our next door neighbor, Ethel, to come over. She tried left hand, right hand, under her arm, between her legs. Nothing. The doctor said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You bought your your next door neighbor over to help you? He said, yes. And between the three of us, none of us could get the top off that damn jar. I love it. I that love was it. awesome. That was fantastic. I'll definitely be telling that one. Yes. <laughs> Wow, thank Beautiful. you so much. What a what a joy to have you here. Oh thank you, pleasure, man. Sir. The joy we'll to be here. And I, thank you. You know, I, thank we you definitely so have much to do for this inviting again. me. We definitely have to do this. Well again. definitely uh hopefully uh uh next year if you have some time, we'd love to have you back again and we'll yes. break down some more scenes and some more uh uh just some more philosophy and we'd love it. So thank you so much for this time. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you and thank your audience. And I ask your audience, please continue to support these guys because they're doing something that's important. They're doing something that matters. So continue to support them. Okay. And Thank guys, you, if you'll have me back, I'll be happy to come back. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Ola. That's such an honor. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Have a good night. Yeah. You too. You're right back. Ah. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> that was like a masterclass in the arts, yes. in philosophy, yes. in jokes <laughs> all, just all rolled into one i mean and this is truly this is what we said we yeah. we entertain right we educate right i mean yeah. this is these are these principles and the call to have. action at the end was like absolutely so powerful. we did it we did it all here so it's just completely and we have a lot of people here um thank you so much everybody for watching we appreciate your comments and everything um we will be back again next week uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Counterparts, George Batista, John Henry Soto. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. And as always, peace.